My name is Andrew Bustamante, and this is Everyday Espionage. open doors for ladies. I'm not talking figuratively. I mean, I literally open doors for females. It's just something that I was raised with. If I am entering a building or a room at the same time as a female, then I step back, I open the door, and I let the lady enter first. Letting women go ahead of me, holding doors for them is a habit that my mother instilled in me at a very young age. And it's been so ingrained in me that now I actually just open doors for pretty much anyone and everyone. And most of the time, my polite gesture works out, but sometimes my gesture doesn't work out so well. I took my son to a museum in Washington, D.C., and as I opened the door to let him in, I didn't realize that a couple of big yellow school buses had just let out at the same time. So as my son entered the museum, I was stuck holding the doors for dozens of other public school students in grade school that just kept flowing in through the door that I was holding open. And it seemed like an eternity as this ocean of students just kept walking in, I actually started to get a little worried that my playing doorman outside for these students was going to confuse or even worry my son. But I was very fortunate. I looked at him and he just sat there patiently waving at the school kids as they passed by him going into the museum. My little habit of holding doors in that moment was kind of inconvenient to me, but the value of holding the door was being passed on to my son. And I could see it. I could see it as he sat there patiently letting these school buses worth of students just walk right past. And that's how it works. Because each of us has norms. We have habits and values and priorities that we choose to hold on to. And every norm that you and I possess was passed down to us. Sometimes passed by parents, by family, by institutions. There are family norms, like my example of holding doors. Other families have norms where they eat dinner together at night or assign chores and share weekend duties. Maybe they have a family movie night or they celebrate birthday parties. These are all family norms, but there are also professional norms, like wearing suits and ties on Wall Street or jeans and flip-flops at Google. And then, of course, there are those terrible headshots that you see on realtor boards hanging in front of houses all across America. I don't know about you, but I have looked at those pictures, and I have to wonder... Have realtors just not noticed how terrible those pictures are? I I get that the goal is to show a friendly face and have that be a customer's first interaction, but I'm pretty sure that the only other professionals out there using headshots on their advertisements are those scammy injury attorneys. And I just can't imagine that realtors want to look anything like those injury attorneys. Now, I'm from a spy background, and of course there are norms among spies, And some of them have been popularized in media, and some of them are still kind of unknown to most people. We, of course, count exits, and we count entrances, but we also have a uniquely high regard for punctuality, and we track time down to the minute. We wear specific types of fabric, we travel using different routes, we communicate using secure messaging, and of course, we are constantly training. 
These are some of the norms that come with being a spy. In many ways, the norms that are normal to us are what make us a collective. It's what makes us a family, or a workforce, or a team. Everyone with the same norm is conditioned at a fundamental level to value the same things. Values and norms are so natural to us that we don't even realize that they're special. Like family norms or professional norms or even spy norms, there are also social norms. Norms that are carried from society to society, culture to culture. My wife spent her early years in Japan immersed in Japanese social norms. And because of the social conditioning that she had in those formative years, she still carries many of those Japanese social norms with her today. Things like being non-confrontational or showing a strong loyalty to her assigned supervisor. Even the Japanese idea of family honor has carried on in my wife and in her family, even though they aren't Japanese. That's how strong norms can be. Now, the United States is the world's great melting pot, but we also have social norms, whether we recognize it or not. We value conflict. We value competition. Conflict and competition is the way of business growth and career growth in the American mind. We glorify professional athletes because athletes are the public manifestation of some of our most deeply held norms, our appreciation for conflict and competition. Americans believe in independence and individual rights, and we believe in freedom, which means that we don't really subscribe to any type of long-held honor, family honor, or any kind of reputation management. We believe that each person has the responsibility and the opportunity to hash out a life of their own, independent from their parents or their family name. Even while we see in politics and business that family name matters. Right? We see politics and business dominated by a few names, names like Bush and Kennedy, Clinton, Buffett, Rothschild, Gates. We believe that every individual has the opportunity to achieve greatness regardless of the name, but we all still dream that we will be the ones who make our names great. Now, it's easy to take pride in the social norms that we like, but what about the social norms that we don't like? Things like our internal biases, our biases against people who speak English with an accent, for example. Did you know that professional TV news anchors are actually trained to speak English with a neutral accent, a slight northern neutral accent? Why? Because when the average American hears a southern accent, or a strong New England accent, or a Latino accent, or a European accent, a French accent, they inherently start to distrust the information that's being communicated. But a neutral accent comes across as trustworthy. So professional communicators are trained to speak without an accent. I mean, just think about your own experience. In the U.S., when you hear a British accent, do you not immediately think that the person is a little bit hoity, a little bit self-absorbed? And similarly, as soon as you hear an Australian accent, does that not immediately make the person a little bit more sexy? I mean, this is how Mel Gibson made his living. He looked like a tough guy, but when he had an Australian accent, everybody melted. Now, we also have biases in our country that have to do with personal space. When someone steps away from us, we feel like they don't trust us. But when someone stands too close to us, we feel like they're overly aggressive or assertive. 
in both cases, what we want is to be able to determine the exact physical distance between us and someone else for comfort, irregardless of culture. Even though some cultures have very few, very limited space considerations, and some cultures demand large amounts of space, we don't worry about what they want. All we care about is what we want. What's the right amount of space for our comfort? Just the other day, I was sitting next to an American colleague, a woman, and I sat next to her on a waiting room sofa, and as soon as I sat down, I could see that she felt uncomfortable because she felt like I was sitting too close to her. I wasn't trying to sit close, I was just trying to sit down, but I could see the discomfort in her eyes. I could feel it in our conversation, so I gradually found a reason or found a a excuse to scoot a few inches away, and suddenly I saw all of that discomfort start to fade away. These are social norms. These are the norms that we live by. They are the norms that define us. But should these norms define us? In my travels around the world, I have seen many norms, some that I appreciate and others that I don't. But more than anything, what I see is that norms are an outside influence, not an internal decision. Many of you know that I'm currently living in Abu Dhabi, the capital city of a country called the United Arab Emirates, and it's a beautiful city sitting basically in the middle of the Middle East. Now, much of the local culture and customs here are based on Islamic tradition, which is very different than what we have in the U.S., where we're largely based on Christian tradition. And when I arrived here, I had a choice. I could act under my own cultural norms, or I could try to adopt new local norms. For example, in this country, men do not hold the door open for women. It's not appropriate or respectful to a woman to open a door and let her pass through first. The polite habit that my mother so diligently trained in me actually has exactly the opposite of the intended effect if I do it here. Similarly, as men build strong relationships with other men in this country, they actually intentionally reduce the physical space between each other. For example, a sign of close friendship between two men is actually when men touch their faces nose to nose multiple times as a greeting. Through the eyes of a Westerner, this seems awkward and and strange, but in the local custom, it is a great honor. It's an honor to have people who trust you so much and are so excited to see you that they actually don't want any space between you. That is the intent behind the custom. But because of the norms that Westerners are raised with, we don't see that value. We don't appreciate that value unless we learn to adopt the local norms. One of the hardest things that a spy has to learn is actually how to adapt to new norms. Not just adapt in terms of accepting these norms as something different from what we're used to, but actually internalizing and taking ownership of new norms from around the world so that we can integrate into that local society. Because the truth is, American norms are not always the most productive. They're not the most productive to a covert spy, and sometimes they're not the most productive for an everyday person. If you follow everydayspy.com and this Everyday Espionage podcast, you already know that my goal is to challenge conventional thinking because conventions are common by definition. And common is predictable. But when you want to build something new, when you want to build something special, you can't be common. You can't be conventional. 
Western norms like to emphasize earning your professional title. And you earn it by working long hours. You earn it by being loyal to the executive team above you. You earn it through educational pedigree. But this norm, this assumption, is a weakness. And it's one that most of the modern world has already abandoned. It's just America and a handful of other Western countries that continue to believe that we have to work our way up through some sort of corporate ladder by doing what other people order us to do, by being loyal to the cause or loyal to the CEO or loyal to some other figurehead above us. We have been conditioned to follow orders, to obey, to wait our turn until someone else moves us into a position of authority. But professional title is worthless in reality because all that matters is your individual impact, your ability to deliver on what you say you can deliver, and your ability to deliver a product that is better than what anyone else is delivering. But that's not what we're taught. We're taught a norm that keeps us in line, and we're taught that norm intentionally. When you look at public and private schools, school systems throughout the West work on tiered grade levels, grade levels that classify us as a 10th grader or an 8th grader or a 12th grader or a 5th grader. We use test scores as a way to stratify and earn respect. This person got an A on the test. This person got a C on the test. This is how we can say confidently that a 12th grader knows more than a 10th grader. But in actuality, the reason that a 12th grader might know more than a 10th grader is because the 12th grade curriculum has more content than the 10th grade curriculum. If you were to take two individuals of two different ages but teach them the same information, both individuals would learn the information. It's not a matter of the number that associates them with a grade. It's a matter of the information that they're given. So when the school curriculum and the school grading system and the entire educational system itself is built on tiers, then every student in that system grows up adopting a norm that allows them to be segregated, to be separated, and to be labeled. And our system works that way because our social norms were born from the Industrial Revolution, born when our country was at a place where it needed millions of people to just be cogs in a giant machine. We weren't looking for captains of industry. We were looking for worker bees. But times have changed. Now we find ourselves in desperate need of new captains and overflowing with too many cogs. There are too many folks out there looking for someone else to tell them what to do, and there are too few folks out there willing to step up and take action. Our only way forward is to recognize the norms that hold us back, to find them, identify them, and then break them. Now, living in the UAE, I do not open doors, because if I did, it would hold me back from growing and succeeding and integrating into this society. My children do not go to a Western-style school, because if they did, they would be conditioned to believe that they are only as smart as their assigned grade level. But in actuality, my children are smarter than their age. So are you. But you just haven't been told that yet, because you've been raised in a society that limits you based on your last educational certificate. 
If you've got a bachelor's degree, surely you can't think at a master's level. If you've got a master's degree, there's no way that you could think at a PhD level. You have to earn the level before people give you the respect of assuming that you have that level of competence because that's how the norm works. Our norms limit you and limit me. We know it because we feel that limitation, but just because we feel it doesn't mean we have to accept it. We can break the norm. We can stop feeling limited. We can stop acting like we are limited. You want to build something. You want to stop being told what you can and can't do. And you know yourself better than anyone else. These are the facts. The norms that are holding you back are not factual. They are artificial. They exist in our culture, but they don't exist in every culture. So you get to define whatever culture you choose to adopt. You set the norms. You can adopt and own and live whatever norm you choose. It only has to be normal to you. And when you understand that you have the freedom to choose, when you understand that no one else can limit you, when you understand that others are limited without recognizing that they are limited, that is Everyday Espionage. Everyday Espionage is dedicated to one thing, educating everyday people. I know that not everybody will listen, but those who listen will learn. If you learned something new today, click subscribe, review, and share the podcast with a friend. I have so much more to share with you. Find me on social media, at Everyday Spy, or on my website, www.everydayspy.com. And if you are up for a special challenge, check out Operation Realtime and let me take you on an authentic spy training mission. Above all else, remember that knowledge is freedom.